Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, COVID Democracy. Only six months late on this episode topic, are we, Kaylee? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we've been covering other elections, um, but not really diving into why COVID made them a lot harder. Well, this was the thing. At the start, right, we were like, oh, there's, other, there's not going to be many elections. And there weren't for a time. But now that COVID is done, <laughs> uh, they're coming yeah. thick and fast right yeah i feel like we were like can we even do our podcast anymore will there be elections anymore and then it was like uh yeah yeah there will be yeah and now there's a bunch we miss some uh there are some upcoming elections which you may or may not have heard about that we will be covering (laughs) um uh but those are still going to be affected by covid um and just generally running elections in a time when people can't get together which affects a lot of democracy, which is about people getting together and talking. Um, And so we're going to talk about how uh, COVID so far has impacted the, what do we have on the docket? Some half dozen elections to talk about examples from, I think. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's like a bit of a mystery which uh, elections we're each pulling from. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll match up on something. I think I'm going to talk mostly about... (laughs) I was just quickly running through my head the ones that I'm thinking of, and there are ones that aren't, mm-hmm. that haven't happened yet, or that okay. uh, the effects of things that could happen um, and how they may affect elections that could happen. Um, I think you're going to be uh, living more in the realm of reality of things that actually have happened in the true history of our yeah. world so far. Uh, but yeah. I'm living people. in the past, <laughs> and I, I, I think like in with if you if our listeners have listened to the last episode that we recorded on on sortition, they know that I'm living in the past, and you're a man of the future. So Abs- I am a man of the future. <laughs> this is I on I often I think you've heard me say this often, Kaylee, is that I want to be mm-hmm. like somebody from the future, but as if that person is imagined in the future's past. <laughs> okay. So so you know for example like. You want, I want to look like somebody who would be mm-hmm. imagined by somebody in the year 3000, but how they would imagine somebody okay. from the year 2500, <laughs> <laughs> which I think, <laughs> which I think sortition is, is all about that. You know, we're talking about these yeah. potential future ways of democracy, but we're, we're going all the way back to 3000 years ago to draw from for our future, but how we might imagine yeah. that anyway, uh, getting to the reality of what's really happening in the world is that there's still a pandemic in the world, right? Globally mm-hmm. cases are not uh, decreasing or they seem to be plateauing. Um, and so people are having elections again, because as we start, as we said, when we started this show years ago, we thought there's about an election a week and uh, mm-hmm. people have held to that <laughs> more or less. Uh, have they not? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, more like more or less because you you hit a challenge in in a democracy. If you're if you have a constitution, there's like a point where you can't do anything anymore in in certain democracies if you don't have an election again. So there just there came a point and and uh, fairly quickly where elections we had to figure out how to do them. Okay, so here's I don't know if we're going to talk about this first, but you've hit it right away. So I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? We thought going into this, right, okay, there's going to be terms that expire, and so we need elections to happen. We're not just going to extend mm-hmm. whatever, whoever's there for, you know, some unknown amount of time. But, at least here in Canada, what we've seen mm-hmm. is a snap election happen in New Brunswick and finish yep. now, 
and a snap election be called in uh, British Columbia, even without a confidence vote not happening, right? Like, it's not like they missed the confidence vote. The uh, opposition parties were like, hey, we had this agreement, right? The confidence supply agreement Mm -hmm. um, in BC, (laughs) where they were like, no, we support you. We want you to still be the government. (laughs) And the premier was like, no, 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 no. We're having an election because they saw how it went in New Brunswick. And they were like, everybody loves the incumbents during a pandemic, unless that incumbent is literally saying i don't want to be premier anymore while the opposition are trying to keep them in power which is a really weird situation to be in um but i guess it makes sense right because people see the incumbent doing all this you know potentially good stuff like uh doug ford in ontario as well got like a has gotten a boost seemingly from uh covid justin trudeau got a huge boost federally until they (laughs) tried to end their own party by having a gigantic charity scandal right in the middle that was a self-inflicted wound for no reason um, there wouldn't be the liberals without it yeah <laughs> it's going everything is too easy for them uh i mean not that it was easy it was very hard in the middle of a pandemic but they made it harder for no reason but maybe that's just the liberal government way is just to be corrupt i'm not taking sides but maybe that's just in their nature <laughs> um, but is was this like a thing that was foreseen by other people who look into the future and not just me that hey in the middle of a pandemic is a great time to call an election yeah i think it's it is like it's not you know not just pandemics like it's just in situations where if you are as a leader able to take hold of a situation and 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 sail the ship um even if it's just like you're really just you're doing what you know a competent person um should do um and Which you have the support of x yeah i mean look some people are really struggling with it um but you you have the support of experts like you're not in 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 many of these cases particularly with this pandemic as an example like like for example blaine higgs and premier blaine higgs in new brunswick he wasn't the he was just following best advice right like yeah so ultimately but you get to be the face and you're you get a lot of time on camera um to be seen doing the right thing um and and being a stable presence um and it's it it, it, there's an advantage to being a leader in in any situation going into any election a leader has advantages that they can play to because they have so much more face time right like they mm-hmm. make they're the the national face of the country so they can make new press conferences and call situations and then a situation like a pandemic is just you know that on steroids mm-hmm. so i mean we we're going to talk about this in reverse order i think uh but let's reverse mm-hmm. what we were going to do we have these we have these people who are already in office right they are the leader they get daily press conferences uh often um and i I mean like at a federal level we saw uh a prorogation of parliament and so um there was really nothing to be said by anybody but uh the leadership on on a daily basis um especially i mean at the federal level in canada with other party leaders getting covid and having a new party leader elected and everything like there's a whole bunch of other things going on that uh disadvantaged um the opposition you know, those things notwithstanding, there is kind of this impact on the fairness of elections based on somebody getting, um, like Justin Trudeau just last week, right? He said, 
to the news um, agencies. He was like, I need this TV slot. We're all going to broad- broadcast mm-hmm. this thing. I'm going to speak to the nation, which an incumbent can do, uh, which uh, the opposition can't do. Now, you can talk on that, but also, what if parliament was dissolved would the prime minister be able to do that do you know um i yes because i'm well okay so is i'm willing to be corrected but yes i believe so because you still you ultimately like if something happens you still need somebody to be able to come to the to the floor and 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 say you know what we're gonna do he's still you're still the prime minister until you are elected out of the position right I guess, or your, or your party replaces you as the leader or something to that extent. So yes, he would still be able to do that. (laughs) Okay. So in Canada, we see, uh, that, you know, he, he could do these things, but there are other elections that you were talking about, um, because we don't always talk on with microphones in front of us, uh, where there are (laughs) other examples of this happening, um, with incumbents, uh, because there have been so many elections with incumbents gaining potentially an upper hand. Yeah, I think so. There's a few example. I think we'll we'll get to how uh, well to a certain extent we're getting to it now, I guess. But when you you look at a country, we'll dive more into this, I'm sure. But Belarus, who had this uh, had all these uprisings, but you're able to distract a lot from what is going on because there is a pandemic happening. Like that mm-hmm. is consuming of all your focus. Um, so it you can quash. Um, opposition or uprisings um if you're not such a democratic country i'm if some of our listeners have listened to our coverage of belarus in the past they know that that's maybe less than fair uh or less than less than democratic uh i mean for people who haven't listened to those episodes (laughs) uh elections in belarus since the 90s uh have not really been uh free and fair by international standards uh the current the current president has garnered um at least 75 percent of the vote uh in, of the popular vote uh ever since he was he has been in office um and this time around he get he garnered over 80 percent of the popular vote which i never understand i mean okay sure you're making up the numbers so why don't you make yourself look really good <laughs> but i don't understand if you're gonna fake an election make it seem like there's a contest right yeah no yeah i well i, I guess i would but like make I, it a landslide but a believable landslide yeah like for god's sakes <laughs> yeah 58 percent i mean I, this, come on <laughs> there's probably pros and cons right you you get to say the more you win, the more quote unquote secure your leadership is, right? If, if it's a very narrow margin, then it gives your your opposition a room to say, well, not everybody supports you, whereas eighty percent, well, eighty percent is pretty much everybody, um, and so you're you're in there pretty securely. I, I imagine there's there's pros and cons, uh, but and I think when you're a dictator, like, do you don't you just want to say yes, everybody loves me? Uh, I don't know. I've never really, I've never put on my, <laughs> my dictator hat as much as I think about myself in the future. <laughs> I, I never went down this road yet. Uh, yeah, I guess. Sure. I'll take that advice. I will, uh, make it but, seem like I win by a lot. But okay. So pulling to another election that we covered with Singapore. Um, I think mm. we saw this when we talked, we talked about it a bit. Um, there's an, there's just an advantage to campaigning the reality. And when we 
I think we'll talk a bit about just the how can you actually run an election. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're not able to hold mass gatherings. You're not able to, uh, you know, do the the barbecues uh, or meet and greets and and be in there mingling. And mingling is really important if you're like a new leader to a party that doesn't mm-hmm. have like an established presence. Yeah. Um, whereas for the the current prime minister or president, mingling is less important. I know who you are. I trust you. You've also been just leading us through this this uh, very insecure time. Yeah, um, it's difficult to get like the boots on the ground, shaking hands, kissing babies, campaigning going on when you have to be six feet apart from people. Yeah. And and not even just boots to like, not even just you to meet people, but like, yeah, the running of your campaign, the the getting flyers out and getting signs up, they all mm-hmm. involve people and you have to do it in such a way, like it's harder to get volunteers for these things to begin with now, I would mm-hmm. imagine. And I, I've read to be true. Um, but um, also just, yeah, it's harder to get volunteers. It's hard. You have to space them out appropriately. They can't work in teams as much, etc. Um, whereas if you're the leader in some countries, you have some natural, you'll have national resources. Yeah, um, true. To support that. Yeah. So you were just, you just went through an election, right? In New Brunswick. Um, yeah. How did this play out there? Like, honestly, I don't think in any time, I don't know, maybe I just live in really like safe ridings, uh, like mm-hmm. safe electorally, not necessarily like safe crime wise, even though. <laughs> I think I, I live in a relatively safe neighborhood. Um, but like nobody, not that I know of, I've never been home when like somebody comes to my door and knocks on it mm-hmm. and they're like, hi, I'm with this candidate. Can I talk to you about, you know, what I have, what they have to say? I, I talked to one person ever on the street. So yeah. Am I, is that, am I an outlier there? Like, have you ever experienced that? And if you have, has it changed in New Brunswick for this election? Do you know? Yeah. So yeah, I did. I have gotten door knocking and flyers before in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, I think even though you, like you're saying like nobody's knocked on your door and that's, you know, that's part of it. But I think the interesting part about having been here in New Brunswick for this election um, is like, you, you really did notice all the ways that you would typically see an election that you weren't seeing at this time. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't help that this was quite a, it was kind of a short, it was a short election overall, like a, in comparison to uh, the length it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, it was called quickly. Um, so some, but like some candidates didn't have their signs up until like a couple, a few days before the election. Um, you didn't see like, I saw maybe one one time I saw a politician like standing on the road and waving at cars going by, which is just kind of confusing mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but you know the, the 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 things you expect to see in terms of the way that like you're really aware that like you can feel the election in the air, but really it's just there's like a lot of signs and there's a lot of mm-hmm. um, people trying to get you to vote or register to vote or um, those sorts of signals um, weren't there. And if you saw, like, you might see in a, uh, you might see a candidate in a public space, like the market or something like that, but they'd still be having to keep their distance, right? Just like they were trying to be visually present in places that politicians try and go on election time, but mm-hmm. they couldn't really interact, which was strange and, and weird. Um, <laughs> Maybe kind of nice. Uh, but 
I mean, yeah, like I try, I'm trying to avoid most conversations with strangers even before this, but, uh, uh, but you just, the signals that there was an election, like, I think, I think that this was, you could have not known there was an election. I think it's possible. Um, and so if you weren't engaged, um, and you didn't know who, if, if you didn't know who you're going to vote for, I don't know what would have happened (laughs) to tell you who to vote for at this point. Like you really just went in and you're like, eh. You, uh, so you're, you're a theoretical political scientist. I think you're not necessarily, you've never worked on a campaign or anything. Not that I know of. Um, but I have a question All for right. you. Why? I thought you knew me better. <laughs> Wait, have you worked on a campaign? No, you have not. Right? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well then you're uh, the expert that I need on this question. Okay. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? You just mentioned there's so, there's a politician running for election standing on the side of the street next to their sign waving at cars. <laughs> for what purpose is this mm. is this act performed? Now here's my guess. It's that mm-hmm. you're driving your car and you're like, "Oh, hell, there's, you know, whoever." And then you get home and you just talk about that person. You're like, you know who I just saw standing on the corner uh, at Regent Street was like whoever next to their sign just waving a car is like an idiot. And then whoever is like, you know what? I actually kind of like that person. Is that the whole point? Just so people talk about you because you're doing this ridiculous thing? Yeah. Yes. I mean, ultimately, yes, I think so. I think particularly in this election. It was uh, maybe a move to, because how else was I ever going to see your face in person? Um, And uh, then like the five seconds it took me to drive by you. Um, (laughs) I guess, but like their face is on the sign too. They're standing next to a big picture of their face commonly. Yeah, I I imagine that there is a certain degree of like proving that you're you're in this community, that you're here, um, you know, as, as, as sort of not that doesn't prove much but it it gives you the community a sense that you're here um and i think it does ultimately yeah i did go home and say hey i saw this guy waving at me i think he was the liberal candidate for this writing uh um so you did talk about it and then that does spark a discussion it i don't know if it's like you know it's a very cheap use of your time like you're not you're not expending many resources to do it so if it works then (laughs) it's a cheap i do i would say but is it a good use of your time? I don't know. Peak traffic. Um, a whole bunch of people who've never seen you and never known who you were. I don't know. I don't know what the return rate is. I, that, I that wasn't the part of the campaign that I was working on for sure. Ah. But I would say um, in that same writing, um, not not during COVID, uh, a, a candidate put a sign, a cutout sign of himself waving <laughs> at the side of the road. And it was like kind of too close. So every time it was like, oh God, am I going to hit this person? <laughs> it's just but a it was person like just standing a cutout. The road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, uh, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that. That seems wrong. Right. I mean, it just seems like if I was a political candidate, I think it, it says, a, it says good things about the political climate in New Brunswick, at least. But I wouldn't want to go, like, I feel like I might catch like some serious abuse as a political candidate, just standing on the side of the road. People are driving by, they're going to like throw garbage at you, like they're yeah. empty, like cups from McDonald's or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, I wonder what it says about what New Brunswickers <laughs> want in their candidate. I don't know. So we were talking about, 
uh, at one point we were on the rails here and we were talking about um, how election campaigning was changed in COVID times, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you were about to have a different example of that other than New Brunswick, I believe, before I asked you why people stand on the side of the road. Um, I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. But the moment is gone. That's so campaigns otherwise, other than like individuals going and like having to find new ways to campaign. Right. We were also talking Mm -hmm. about um, the difference, not only of candidates going places, but also freedom Mm -hmm. of assembly of individuals, Mm -hmm. which we've seen kind of really interestingly come up, at least uh, in the United States has been like very prevalent in the news about how, um, protests are allowed but other mass gatherings are not and whether or not a protest is safe if you're wearing masks and also outside but you're still in a big group it seems like it hasn't led to an increase in cases necessarily from those types of activities Mm -hmm. right but it still could potentially cause like a chilling effect on the democratic process yeah i think that it's so there have I think we um, the the Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S. is the one that probably really comes to mind. But there are several countries around the world that have had uh, have had protests or demonstration movements, and that there is always this tension between the ability to protest and uh, COVID uh, COVID measures. Um, and I and I think you're, we're going to see I throughout the process of 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 COVID like many ways that like the restrictions are bumping up against our sort of our our democratic and and civil uh, political rights um and how do we compromise on those you and i think the ultimate conclusion of all this is that the that it is going to challenge our democracy a lot um and there are going to be things that are ultimately unfair um but also you have to have a lot of faith in your institution and and they have to be good to that faith because for example in 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 Israel, you have a situation where the government has rising COVID cases, um, some of the highest in in globally, um, but also they uh, uh, Netanyahu, the, the the their leader, is uh, being <laughs> indicted, I believe, for crimes, uh, uh, for several crimes, um, and has made it an anti a law. To, that it is illegal to protest at this moment um, in response political uh, restrictions on protests and demonstrations in order to avoid further spread of the coronavirus um, during the pandemic. So it, so as we were sort of saying, there's, there's limited sort of connect ability to tie solidly the, uh, the uh, protest movements to further spread. Um, I think it has a lot. I, I, I'm not an expert on this, how this works, but that is what I have read in a few sources I trust. Mm-hmm. But it's very easy to, it's easy to believe that that is a, that is a risk and it might be in, in to a certain extent be a risk. Um, so a government may choose to limit the ability for uh, political demonstrations. Um, but what about in a situation where your government and leadership have clear reasons why they may not want these protests, I suppose? Yeah, and, and so I think in Israel, uh, Israel is a really, it is a good example because, Net, because Netanyahu is 
in this difficult position politically. And, and there's like also clear, uh, sort of, uh, differentiation in the, 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 the gatherings that are being allowed. You're not allowed to gather in, in, in these mass, de- in, in these demonstrations, political demonstrations, um, as well as, uh, outdoor gatherings of, of more than 20 people, but there have been, a fair number of exceptions for um, religious uh, groups, uh, and and I think interestingly, like uh, a few people have highlighted that it is in a lot of these uh, sort of more religious communities and groups that uh, there has been a very high rate of spread. But also, they are pretty supportive of Netanyahu as a as a candidate. So it's it's when you're balancing these things, and you also have such a deep lack of trust that um that i think your your democracy is in trouble and then we could talk about hong kong right but okay so let's talk about hong kong but it is interesting the way that you have these restrictions and if you get rid of restrictions specifically for some reasons like specifically in israel because you can remove them for i think you can remove them like pretty reasonably for religious gatherings and stuff Mm-hmm. I never even thought about how that could impact if there was a specifically, if there was potentially like a specific religious party, um, mm-hmm. and and even more so if there's uh, uh, an increased like propensity in general for uh, religious groups to support one party mm-hmm. over another, and how that would even impact that by allowing those groups to gather. Interesting point, but also more interesting points on Hong Kong from you as well. Yeah, I think Hong Kong is just more of an extreme example. I think yeah. with with Israel, there is a belief, I guess, to a certain extent amongst, I don't, not everybody, but certainly some people that that should be a democratic uh, or a place that is, is trying to be democratic. Hong Kong has been obviously um, in a, a place of turmoil in terms of their um, democratic process that did or never did exist. Mm-hmm. Um and and the protests going on there, while it, there is a lot of like national security laws that have been imposed that have really cracked down on them, um, they're also using um, social distancing laws to uh, to detain um, a lot of the democracy, a lot of the democracy pro democracy rallies and and leaders and uh, people who may not agree. Um, and, and, and like, I, if, if you haven't read about them, it's very interesting the ways the activists are trying to get around these laws to protest, um, in, in pretty unique ways, um, and, and, and sort of skirt the restrictions that have been placed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one was like, um, in the shopping district, several demonstrators held up copies of like a pro-democracy newspaper and, and were reading them and they had a full page ad full page ad in it saying protect children and hold on to your conscious conscience. So you just I mean, there's, there's the lots of examples. Yeah. And, and we're appropriately distanced and it, it, it makes it harder. Um, yeah. And this, this is, I mean, obviously it's not ideal, but it is, you know, interesting the way that resistance um, and, um, and protests like these can, will continue regardless, but, it's not the it's not the world that you want to be headed to, I guess. Yeah. So you were talking about about I think in these last two examples of confidence in your government, right, and mm-hmm. following and trusting that the measures that they're putting in place are for good reasons and not necessarily mm-hmm. politically motivated. Mm-hmm. And somewhere else that we've seen 
a need for trust in the process <laughs> is mm-hmm. uh, in the way that you actually vote, right? Yeah. And there's been a whole lot said about mail-in ballots <laughs> and how yes. fair they are and how not susceptible to fraud they are, even if people say they're susceptible to fraud. And is this, I mean, I want to say like it, it says a lot. I mean, for one, about what you just said, right? In a situation like this, in like a bad situation, it really brings out the best and worst in people, right? Because yes. it brings out the altruism in people because it gives them a time to do the right thing and also brings mm-hmm. out the opportunism in people because there are all of these opportunities that because all these barriers to the, these democratic process, processes are put in place and mm-hmm. you have this massive shift in uh, inequality potentially between people in mm-hmm. power and people not in power. It does really reflect strongly. Like if you can have a good, fair, safe election in the middle of a pandemic, I think that says really good things about the state of your democracy in general. I mean, I think normally if you can have fair and free elections, it says good things about your democracy, but also uh, in a time in which um, there's so much opportunity to do the wrong thing, um, it increases that even more. And with mail-in ballots specifically, like in the in the United States where it's all about mail-in ballots, everything that you hear from the Republicans recently, mm-hmm. it's just like a magnifying glass on the worst part of politics no like i feel like it's just like shown like yeah these are the things that are a problem with democracy (laughs) it's like shown who the people are that are making problems happen um but do you want to go over mail-in ballots a little bit and maybe like how they're not really susceptible to fraud necessarily but how maybe like i've heard like a lot of a lot on issues of people saying like oh mail-in ballots are undemocratic for the reasons of fraud being perpetrated. And that's not really true, Mm -hmm. but mail-in ballots being undemocratic for the reasons of they are discounted at like a rate of like one Mm -hmm. to 2% because people don't fill them out properly or they don't know how to fill them out because it's way more complicated or they don't get delivered in the right way. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. actually like it's less democratic, but because it's disenfranchising the people using them, not because it is making people commit fraud. Yeah, I mean, you've mostly explained the the problem there. It is, it's it, to be, yeah, to be clear, it's not um, the the rate of fraud in terms of a person misrepresenting um, themselves on a ballot, uh, like to to vote more than once or to vote for somebody else is it's almost nil like there's no evidence that that is actually a, a problem hmm. and i think it it uh, it's also like so we're seeing it depends I on mean, the... let it be said in specific democracies right yeah because i mean we just talked about belarus yeah. where obviously there is election fraud that happens <laughs> um, yes yeah, so, so i guess i think in sp- specifically in the case of in this case we're talking about the united states right basically yeah yeah, we're basically talking about the U.S. <laughs> and um, I would also say, like, as a note, like, countries with traditions, like, if you have a tradition of mail-in ballots, like, if you have a an established system that has evolved with the needs of your population for voting, um, this trust is a lot easier to build 
um, rather than just suddenly having to be like, okay, we're going to do mail-in ballots and everybody's doing it. Yeah. Um, and every place in the country is doing it differently for different reasons. Where was the uh, election yeah. that we covered that it happened over many, like, like over a week and there was like small boats that had to go out to like outlying islands and collect like a few hundred ballots at a time and bring them to a central location to be counted. It was somewhere in the South Pacific. Uh, the Marshall Islands? Yes. But to be, uh, I mean, to, to we've covered a number of like, like um, India. India took like nine huge days election, it's huge, right? Yeah, it has a huge, huge. And we've covered a lot of countries that have... Um, have just systems that recognize that not everybody is going to be able to vote on voting day. So there have to be ways to deal with that. And, mm-hmm. and every country, like, I mean, any country with a military and, and military serving abroad has that ability to do it. Um, yeah. Just whether or not they've implemented it, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, if you're wondering of what country has military personnel in more other countries anywhere in the world the answer is <laughs> yeah. the united states of america <laughs> and uh, so i think something else to think about here is like like this is very led state, mm-hmm. state by state and and seems very political i think something to, that was i've continually thought was really interesting about canada system like elections canada really is the voice on how um, elections will be run federally and and provides guidance provincially and then in New Brunswick uh, elections and be ran it like there is sort of a, a body that is relatively trusted and seen as being relatively mm-hmm. independent of the parties that is providing guidance and is saying like this is how we're gonna do it and we're gonna make it work you know and and it has of course it has its air its issues but and and things that come up but like i think having something that is seen as Mm -hmm. independent in your brunswick did you find that there was a difference in like turnout at all and was there a shift in number of like mail-in ballots to typically cast ballots i guess so it was the highest uh, advanced polls right. turnout, I think, that has ever happened. Um, it was, and I think the voting was, the voting levels were similar to 2018. So it wasn't dramatically low, like it wasn't uh, shockingly lower. Um, and and like Elections NB, I think, really emphasized the ability to mail in your ballot um, and go to the advanced polls as well as go to your returning office if you if you mm-hmm. if you wanted to um this is not to say there weren't issues um and like an interesting issue was accessibility to the polling station because some of the more the more commonly used polling stations um couldn't be used because of covid right. um so they sometimes were in buildings that had accessibility mm-hmm. challenges um yeah so accessibility was a a a a problem oh as well as finding uh volunteers Mm. uh again like similarly to like the parties being able to find volunteers it's hard to find election Mm -hmm. workers um who are also typically very old i don't know about your experience (laughs) in voting but usually the poll workers are are quite old um and so susceptible or vulnerable to covid um so having to to negotiate how who's going to work in the polling stations and find people to do that who will volunteer um, is a challenge. And I think that's something we're seeing in the U.S. I think I, I remember there was a story about like Old Navy giving 
their employees a day to go work at elections, huh. uh, ele- uh, polls and stuff like that. Um, so there are solutions. I mean, g- paying people is, uh, mm-hmm. is a solution, not making it a volunteered position. Um, but yeah, it is. A, there, those are two big challenges, I think. So first of all, if you want to go back and listen to our last episode, how could you fix all this? Don't vote at all. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. But like that's an entirely different system. And as long as they're still voting, yes, please go, vote. Yes, now. <laughs> yeah, definitely vote if you have an election near you now. Um, but how has this cost like how has this changed? Because in, in BC, for example, the opposition parties are like, come on, man. You're doing an election in the middle of a pandemic. Don't we have enough to worry about? But also, just logistically, mm-hmm. does planning an election change? Does having actual debates change? Is it more expensive to have a, an election? Like, are mail-in ballots more expensive to send out? Yes. Like, logistically, what are... Okay, yeah, good, quick answer. <laughs> but... <laughs> Maybe expand on that opinion of Kaylee. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Yep. Moving on. Good enough. Um, yes. It as a whole, the whole process is more expensive. It it's going to take days longer to it, 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 like in certain situations. Um, it will take longer to count the votes, um, depending on the the your rules around sort of processing mailed in ballots. Like some countries, you can look. Uh, like they could count them in advance of like mm-hmm. election day. And then, so there wouldn't be a backlog, but like, regardless, you're still paying somebody or, or having somebody mm-hmm. do that process. Um, I think they said like, if there had been a federal election this fall, uh, it would have been two, a two day election. So then you're running polling stations for two days, uh, in addition to advanced polls that you're going to have to run more of, um, and uh, keeping returning offices a- open and able to process potentially more voters coming through that way um and it's and i mean just you have to sanitize things very regularly you have to have probably more people working but keep them distanced um and so there's like a lot of ways that the costs are gonna add up it 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 is more expensive to run uh properly um but yeah the trade the trade-off i suppose so so it becomes a it it's something to weigh when and uh, that will probably come to bite. I think future politicians, as people sort of realize this, like, did you need to call that election? That definitely cost us about thirty million dollars <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> um, which I believe is how much it cost. Maybe it, that was the New Brunswick election. There was a wreck. Wow, it costs a lot of money. That's is a thing. That's a ton of money. I mean, no, and aside from people voting in elections i mean maybe this is off topic but actually doing parliamentary Mm -hmm. business is so changed right um like we had the first like electronic vote in canada in parliament uh this week Mm -hmm. did you see anything about that uh i saw that jenica atwin almost didn't get to vote in it because yeah like her vote just it just didn't get counted like she because they had to keep talking into their like into their microphone until the camera like automatically put their face to the top of like the gallery mm-hmm. so that the people tallying the votes could see that it was actually their face saying what they wanted that they wanted to vote mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then there are people that had like dogs and cats on their laps and like babies on their laps and people weren't like adhering to the dress code because they weren't in parliament, but still actually <laughs> kind of, they were temporally within parliament, but not um, physically within parliament. <laughs> it was just like the whole, and that's just trying to get like a couple hundred people to vote. Yeah. So. I guess it does make sense that it would cost 30 million people, so, to, or 30 so, million dollars okay, to get. Okay, so the New Brunswick one, I've got the actual the actual estimated cost. So 2018 cost about $12.8 million. It's estimated that in addition like to supply PPE and all the appropriate supplies, it was going to cost about a million extra dollars, so $13.8 million. 30 was something else that I don't remember. Hmm. It might have been BC or something like that. But. Well, I guess, yeah, because I wasn't even thinking that you'd have to have PPE for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> a lot a lot of because because it, like and at the polling stations in new brunswick you were supposed to be able to get a face mask if you were vote like you came right. to vote so that's pretty much in theory you have to be ready for every voting age new brunswicker to need a mask they're supposed to be giving out masks um but if they don't have masks make sure that you people are wearing masks mm-hmm. everybody all of our listeners i don't want to see a probably about politics sweater out there with the person not having a mask on <laughs> uh but uh, there are all these barriers to voting in, in a democracy during a pandemic, but you can still go vote. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure that we have many listeners who are experiencing an election right now. We definitely have a, American listeners, though. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it's like more than ever. Like previously, there was like that saying, like, make a plan to vote. And it's like now, like, no, really, mm. like, make your plan. Figure out how you're going to yeah. do it. How are you going to get to the poll if you can't take public transit? What do you do? Mm-hmm. it's difficult times but i think everybody's doing pretty well you know we've had we covered a number of elections i guess we only talked about one that was really good uh but <laughs> that's because there were other ones that did happen that uh there's nothing to talk about barriers to democracy wise yeah. for the other elections that did go well speaking of elections that may or may not go well we are going to be coming back to you guys with elections over the next little while uh, there are some big elections happening yeah. uh, in the world. Um, some fan favorite elections in the South Pacific as well. Yep. Um, just off the coast of other not as exciting countries. Yeah. Some elections that, yeah, Alex and I are really dreading, I think. <laughs> but uh, that's unfair. We don't dread any elections. No, love them. Um, exactly. So uh, we love them as much as we love you. And thanks for listening to Probable Politics. Make sure to catch us when we come back to you with some regularly scheduled election programming soon.